All right. This was a uh, record-breaking week at Inappropriate Earl, thanks to the great Axeman, Joey Allen from Warren, who had our highest ever single-day number of views and led us to the biggest week ever at Inappropriate Earl. So thank you to Joey Allen. Once again, follow him on Twitter, at Warrant Rocks. And thank you to Stevie Rochelle for providing the soundtrack to uh, Inappropriate Earl. That's the great metal band, Tough. Just a couple years too late, but they're back. They're back. They're still touring, unlike most of those 80s relics. And if you're a fan of 80s metal, go check out Stevie's website, metalsludge.tv, which is basically Inappropriate Earl in a website. It's, uh, keep up to date with the members of uh, Slick Toxic and uh, Kicks and Kiss and anything in between. And everybody it, else that you have a t-shirt of. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if you ever want to know what the drummer from the Peppermint Creeps is up to, uh, Stevie's probably having the guy paint his house. So uh, Stevie Rochelle, good man. Follow him on Twitter, at uh, CDs T-U-F-F, and... Uh, He's uh, provided the music since day one. And, uh, you know, thank you. Thanks to all the list. And how could I forget our only sponsor of Inappropriate Earls? Another Stephen, but this is Stephen. Uh, Stephen Piercy's Mike Knuckles by a pair of 50. That's at Mike Knuckles, M-I-C, Knuckles. I don't think uh, you idiots out there need me to spell Knuckles for you. But uh, also one of the great hockey goons of all time, Chris Knuckles Nyland, who's got dementia at 40. But, uh, you know, he made some money. So uh, there you go. Shout out to Chris Nyland, even though he probably can't spell his name. Uh, All right, this is a special inappropriate Earl. Uh, It's no joke, man. Some Some of those hockey fighters, they don't, you know, they don't know where they are right now. Um, yeah. And I've got a lot of their jerseys, so I feel bad for supporting their demise. Well, Earl, do they suffer the same like concussion thing that the football players and the wrestlers deal with? Oh, even worse. It's oh. probably more along the line of pro wrestling. Uh, because, you know, they've been fighting, you know. To, Getting I mean, body checked. and Well, it's not so much the body checks. It's the, uh, you know, they've been fighting since they were 15, 16 years old in junior hockey and peewee hockey. Maybe not peewee hockey, but junior hockey. So about 16 to like however they, long they live so their their brains are mush and uh they did a great uh x-ray of Derek Bugard's head and the, the boogeyman uh who uh killed himself uh unfortunately or fortunately unfortunately <laughs> I got one I got a couple of his jerseys that they tripled in value the minute he did it so uh but he uh they did a scan of his head and like like you and I would have like Maybe three or four small black dots on our head, just some wear and tear. Right. He had like 28. Oh, Jesus. uh, I I can imagine. Well, who knows what those guys in the 70s and 80s, uh, hockey fighters and, uh, you know, wrestlers, I mean, football players, I mean, you know, Lynn Swan. Yeah, I mean, who knows what was going on back then, but, you know. This is the longest intro ever for a guest, but you're you've been on. This might be a first of inappropriate. I think this is like your third podcast, second official. Yeah, but you were uh, off the books on the Danish and O'Neill um, UFC podcast, which they rumors of a return Saturday night for a special UFC 
Right uh, on. Parents, because there's two heavyweight fights on that uh, card. And Tony Hinchcliffe, uh, kill Tony, follow him. He, he'll he be there uh, at the fights. Oh, of course. So uh, Is CM Punk involved in this at all? Is he doing commentating or is he... I, know, I know he's not fighting yet. But he's laying low, man. They better put him against that amputee guy, so... Wow. Well, you, dude, I heard you mention peppermint creeps. What's the story there? Because I, that name sounds really familiar, not from childhood or anything, but since I've been out here, like maybe seeing stickers or shit laying on the street. Well, first of all, this is Jordan Lee. Let's welcome Jordan back, back for more. One of my good friends in, in uh, life, not just in comedy, but, Thank uh, you, you know, uh, peppermint creeps were like a, L.A. local band and their shtick was, uh, you know, they kept the dream of of '80s glam rock alive to like the hundredth level. I mean, uh, <laughs> had no success at all. Uh, I mean, they made their record sales made like the Vinnie Vincent Invasion sales seem like the Beatles. I mean, <laughs> but they wore full makeup. Like, I mean, Kabuki. Uh, okay, like. Kiss style makeup, but they looked even wackier than Kiss, like crazier than King Diamond. Yeah, I mean, and uh, they they've recently played like maybe well, the last uh, five years or so, or ten well, years. One guy, uh, I think the drummer, I think his name was Tracy. He died uh, a couple years ago, so I don't think they play anymore. But they were kind of great marketers. They, you know, everyone has seen a Peppermint Creeps sticker in a bathroom at a club, and, yeah, and stuff like that, and. uh but they would play like clubs and raves and, you know, like the whiskey. But, you know, they they weren't the best musicians. Uh, Did they play makeup? Do you remember when makeup was around? That was, I don't know. On the, it was like it was like one one Saturday night a month. They and they would always places. hold it at El Rey and everybody went. It was like it wasn't a rave, but they would always have like it was almost like a masquerade ball. And Tie Me Down was the host of it usually. And they would have. A band there is the guest, but they would just play all kinds of music around it, like before and after them. They and, probably did. I mean, they, it was a lot of the rainbow crowd. Was I'm sure uh, Tamey Down put his uh, dirty fingers uh, <laughs> on the, them, told them, you know, Tamey's like a, a junior Gene Simmons without the success or charisma. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I saw him at Rocklahoma with Faster Pussycat come out, and they, I think the whole band came out in full Nazi regalia, and and uh, you know did the goose steps to you know <laughs> House of Pain, and uh, it's crazy. No, I'm serious. It's like, wow, these guys are fucking nuts. Holy shit, dude! I thought seeing Y and T play at you know two in the afternoon in all leather when it was like 400 fucking degrees out was crazy. Poor Y&T. I mean, they're like a legendary, you know, Northern California band. They're playing at two in the afternoon in Pryor, Oklahoma, in a steam room, basically. It was so hot. And uh, they then Right, with a bunch of day drunks out there. Oh, yeah, it was the worst. You get those afternoon slots. And they're a good band. Like, they were a good band. They should have been much bigger. But, you know, Peppermint Creeps, uh, they're like a L.A. Uh, just, they might have played a few shows outside of L.A., but I'm sure they were sent back pretty fast. Uh, <laughs> but they would walk around in the daytime in their outfits. Like, they, they really... Oh, they, just never dropped it. You know, always in character. Yeah, it's like seeing a member of Gore, Trader Joe's, in full gear. You'd be like, what uh, the fuck is be this awesome, guy doing? But <laughs> so, uh, you know, just a, you know, if you were an L.A. native, you knew who they were. But 
I don't think they had a lot of, uh, you know, anyone who knew of them outside of LA was on Metal Sludge. Which okay. Is an amazing website. Uh, I mean, Stevie's a friend of mine, and, you know, I, I, in full disclosure, advertise on his website, but that's the crowd I want. Yeah, of course. So, and it's well, tough. Spe- hey, speaking of crowd you want, that's kind of what we were talking about today. You and I, like, I thought it would be a great podcast to talk to you about becoming a, a, a paid regular at the comedy store. Yeah, breaking news. Uh, 15 years into my stand-up comedy career, uh, uh, I have been a uh, paid, I've become a paid regular at the comedy store, which means uh, I get to get paid to do comedy there. A, a whopping how much? How much do you get per set? I think it's like 15 bucks, but then when you get the main room and you split it with the other comics. Right, you start so making more. I probably won't get that anytime soon, but I don't really care, to be honest with you no, about that. It's pretty cool because this is the first group that has done a showcase for Adam for the comedy store since Tommy was fired. Tommy's the old talent coordinator. He was fired for um, you know interesting reasons. We uh, I don't want to get sued, so I'll just say he was... Let go. I'm in amidst a cloud of controversy. Uh, and um, I think that was about three months ago. And uh, absolutely shocking to me that no other comedy club or talent agency in town would swoop him up. <laughs> so that tells well, you uh, what he knew about comedy. So, <laughs> um, well, so, well, this is the, uh, this is, this is kind of what, I mean, as long as I've known you, this is what I thought always was the goal. Not the end game, but your immediate goal that was within grasp. This was the one. How how did you get a spot? Considering that you and I both know there was crowds and crowds of people that thought they would be within the first group to get a chance or that they deserve to be. And Adam gave, what, six spots? Five spots. Five spots for the showcase. Two people passed, and uh, me and Candace Thompson, who had her first paid regular set uh, last night and did great. Where where was she at in the lineup? Twelve thirty. Okay. I mean, we're not big, we're not going to be getting Delia spots, right? But I know that in the past, sometimes he's given the very opening spot to a newest paid regular as well. Yeah, it's random before Argus spot. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, I think it's all pretty much random. Uh, you know, like the showcase, he put us uh, in the middle of the lineup on a regular show, which was really good. On a what night was this? On a Thursday night. We, uh, I think, uh, Gener- added- generally a pretty not dead night, but not one of the more happening nights of the comedy store. Well, it's weird up there Thursday nights. Uh, it's either good or bad, but last Thursday was great. It's great lineup. Uh, you know, you had like Neil Brennan went on right before the showcases. Uh, Adam Ray went on. Uh, Rick Ingram kind of was hosting, and he did great. And then uh, it started off with Kyle Ray, who had everyone had a good set. Okay, you know, no one bombed. No one had a okay. Now, how do you think you got picked? Like when did I don't you? Know. When did you? When were you notified? Was this out of the blue? Did he? Were, was there something that you guys had to kind of submit to to showcase to want to showcase or? Uh, when I slipped Adam five grand in cash, I, I thought I had a good shot (laughs) no uh i was uh you know the last two weeks have been such a blur uh i think i maybe two three weeks ago i was told and then uh 
than I mean, I who knows why he picked me. I mean, he I think he had seen me about four years ago at the Tempe Improv opening up for Rob Schneider, and okay, uh, I did as about as well as the opener could. Didn't because see. because here's the thing, you you're friends with Adam, but yes. there's a lot of people that are better friends with Adam that didn't get a spot. So I don't. I mean, it's clear that that wasn't that wasn't how he was picking. Oh no! I mean, if Adam was up to no good, uh, I mean, even just picking the people that got a showcase. I mean, that I don't think that that's. But I, that's what I was curious about was like, how? Where did he see you first? Or like, you know, because Adam's at the comedy store, and you, we all know, you just weren't getting spots at the comedy store. I was getting period, nothing, period. from Tommy, and I was on Don's podcast. Uh, t- uh, I think two nights ago. We, you know, I don't want to, you know, try not to repeat too many stories, but it's kind of germane to the topic. Uh, not Dan Jermaine, but uh, just Jermaine. Uh, you know, Tommy, for whatever reason, did not like me. Uh, he didn't like my comedy, but he he did several strange things that made no sense to me. Like... Uh, just fucking with you? Or? Oh, yeah. And, and like a lot of people are like, Earl, you don't talk about Tommy anymore. He's, you know, you don't have to worry about him anymore. But, uh, you know, in the... Uh, you know the he's guys not gone of, he's not gone let's put it that way but i mean As, in the guise of this podcast i have to talk about him of course because it's it's he's a he was holding you back he was the i mean whether there was a reason for it or not he was single-handedly holding you back from oh absolutely being in I the mean, one club that you would grab a great audience i should have been passed years ago uh and now to people who don't you know me you or tommy they're like well this guy sounds pretty cocky i there's you know you know, and comedy is subjective, but there's just borderline levels of like. You're yeah. joining the greats of Robert William Abravaya on that wall. And- yeah, and he's a homeless maniac who uh, Tommy really enjoyed putting up a lot. Um, you know, and, and uh, let's just say without getting into too much detail that uh, several people were passed based on gifts given to Tommy uh, in lieu of their comic talent. So allegedly, uh, well, I mean, you know, it is what it is, but uh, you know, uh, I, I try not to hate too much on the guy, but since he was such a dick to me, it, it's hard to like keep the feelings in, right? Of course, of like course. one night, a Barris was late because he was with the ding dongers at Halloween. And you know, if you know the LA Halloween parade in West Hollywood, I was probably there that night. That night, just a couple of years ago, and okay. uh, so Don was late, uh. Let's just say there was a paid regular who Tommy put up a lot uh, bombing. Uh, and we all bomb in the OR. But, I mean, this was a decent crowd. You know, they were kind of drunk, Holly, Halloween, you know, right. good good atmosphere. And, and he put a crowd killer up. Well, yeah. And uh, so Tommy comes up to me, grabs me by the arm, says, dude, hold the crowd till Don gets here. And that, I thought that was kind of weird that you're you're asking someone who you give nothing to to hold the crowd because a guy you give two spots a week to is eating it uh and people are walking like uh it's the million man march out so who was the comic that was eating it i don't want to say that but (laughs) you know he's still it was worth a shot you know fuck it uh so you know i went up there held the crowd not one person left did about 15 minutes barris comes in you know, he, he does, you know, his thing late night does great. Well, was Tommy watching your set at all? Or of he, course. Was he off roaming around? No, he was watching for the most part. And okay. then comes out to me, great job, dude. Thank you. you really saved it tonight. Thanks, brother. So uh, what's the reward I got is the next uh, month, no spots. And this guy's routinely getting spots. And it's like, 
Yeah, right, I, I right. Mean, I, t- I totally get it, yeah. And then, uh, I mean, there's so many stories. I could talk for the next four hours about his well, mental dude, let, abuse. I mean, we we really should talk about it because that people need to understand this isn't just anybody being passive paid regular. This is 15 years worth of you just being literally kept out of the club for whatever reason. You have every right to tell people why, you know, different things that have pissed you off because now you've reached a big goal, man. But I mean, I'm trying to really just lay the facts out. I'm I'm not talking shit well, about right, him. right, dude. But I mean, but a lot part, of people part do. of why I think you should tell the stories is because there are other comics. A lot of comics listen to your podcast in different cities, and they're probably encountering this at their club. And they don't have seven clubs like we have in LA to choose from. It might be interesting for them to hear some of your stories and and. Uh, if it's happening to them, maybe ways around it or who knows, man. Just Start who your own knows. Club. Uh, but I mean, just, I, I, mean I encountered it in music, dude. When I played music, I was doing indie music. And there was, at the time, there was uh, Spaceland, which is now the satellite. Um, and then there was uh, Silver Lake Lounge and the Echo. It was, like, it was like three or four places that if you were an indie band and you wanted to get played on the radio, you had to play there. Well, I tried to get booked at him. And you'd find out out of the four clubs, the same guy booked three of them. And the fourth club, if you called him, said, we don't book anybody that hasn't played those places yet. For whatever reason, that guy would not return my calls. He wouldn't return my emails. I I wouldn't even try and send him music. I would just say, hey, where's the best place to send stuff? He wouldn't respond. I Then I would just email stuff. I would mail stuff. Never could get into his clubs at all. Then finally, an outside promoter gets me a gig at one of those, and he gets it on Super Bowl Sunday at 5 p.m. It's a good spot. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and we actually did a great job, but there was nobody there booking on a, that comes on a Sunday to watch the Sunday bands that's going to give you a spot during the week. So I've been where you've been, and I, that's why I get it. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, uh, there's a lot of comics, in fairness to Tommy, who he ain't the reason they... Uh, were held back uh right and that's what everybody thought when when he was gone that this was their time to shine that's kind of why i'm I'm interested in okay so you got one of the five spots how many how many days before your spot did they tell you that you were going to do it like I think how about all, two weeks i, I you had two weeks to don't prepare. remember uh the exact uh right but ge- generally but about you, two weeks okay so you had some time to think about what you were going to do and you you knew you were going to have how long of a set Five minutes, man. It's like a TV set. Five okay. minutes. So I knew. I mean, after 15 years in comedy, if I didn't have five minutes of good material, then I made some mistakes. Now, did you think? Did you plan out your material beforehand, or did, were you going to base it off the crowd? Oh no, it, it's you know I'm I learned my lesson once when on a Barry Katz project that I bombed on. <laughs> uh, you know, I've told the story many. I think I've told this story as many times as my gangbang stories. But, uh, <laughs> It actually happened at the comedy store. Whitney Cummings was the host. It's a show called One Night Stand Up. You, uh, the, it was a dating show. Eight comics, one girl. Uh, the comic uh, did their act. The girl never saw you. She just listened to your act. So I did a rape joke right out of the shoot, and uh, it was. It's still to this day. I think it's the best joke I've ever written. From the the, <laughs> the idea of the joke to the to the the build up to the punchline. And uh, it's just a story about the Duke lacrosse team. And this is in 06. So it was a, it was a really prevalent story. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, the 
captain of the lacrosse team had a degree in economics so if anyone knew two didn't go into 47 it was that guy <laughs> and now did you use that for your showcase no <laughs> okay 400 people in the main room at the comedy store that night huge camera crews i mean it lights everything <laughs> a dead silence other than dave taylor laughing had you planned out that joke beforehand? Yeah. Did it oh, just absolutely. pop into your head? No, no. I thought, oh, it's a dating game okay. show. This will be like, you know, maybe she likes bad or edgy, bad boy, edgy comics. Yeah. And then I followed it up with a race joke that got was even worse. And then, you know, I was three minutes in. I'm like asking how much time is left. You know, it was just awful. So I learned my lesson. Don't ever do a showcase for anything unprepared. Okay. So I was pretty prepared. And, you know, I knew uh, and it just worked out. Uh, Kyle Ray was the first showcase, and he had a really good set. Okay, and so the room, you know, I just lucked out. The room was hot, and and after Kyle, like, now did that fuck you up at all? Was there was there anything that you, any part of you that was like, shit, everybody's killing, like that makes it even more stressful for you because you have to kill now too. Well, you're following Neil Brennan, who's the creator of the Chappelle Show. I mean, Adam Ray's in movies. Uh, there was like one other like TV type comic, like a Theo. Probably Polly or somebody was Polly on. No, that he, no, he wasn't there. It was like a Theo. I saw Delia was on that set. Or he after followed you guys, the or? showcase. Yeah, but he, you know, what cool thing about him was he watched every showcase, which that, I thought was very really cool. cool. Yeah. You know, he's a big comic. He's probably the biggest probably one going. Probably needs openers at some point, too, and wouldn't mind checking people out. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it might, I, you know, I'm not sure uh, what his reasonings were, but, I mean, I thought that was really cool. He sat. He, he sat. Uh, Do you try and fuck you afterward? No. Well, he hugged me and said, great set, man. So, was that all? Yeah. And I said to him, hey, man, you might want to look at that lineup sheet. It'll probably be the last time your name and my name will be that close to each other. <laughs> Because he Better goes on. Frame it. I did. I took it actually. Uh, Eric, uh <laughs> Good for you, dude. I mean, you see the uh, lineup uh, beforehand. It's Kirk Fox. I mean, all these. Oh, killers! Yeah, Rick Ingram, Argus yeah. Hamilton, uh, and then uh, the showcases were just dropped right in the middle. Okay, and then Jeremiah had to follow you. Wow. Jer yeah, and he did. You know, he did really good. I mean. Uh, yeah, everybody on here that I've seen is a great... I've seen him have crushing sets. So Candace did great. Anybody uh, that would have been passed, it wouldn't have surprised me. Yeah, I mean, there really was no... Uh, you know, no wrong choice. Adam could have picked Sandro right. and Kyle. And I, I, I wouldn't have said, well, that's not fair. I should have been passed. Uh, now, did you, was there any... Where you When you were watching uh, Kyle's set, was there anything... That, did you decide to change anything last minute about your set? No, he was doing really good. And uh, I uh, had, a for once in my comedy life, I had somewhat of a game plan in terms of do this joke and then... Do you, do you mind if... if you, can you tell people kind of the way you laid out your set? what you How you decided to start the set? How you were going to end it to make sure that it was... Well, I started the set based on my appearance right now, which is rare for me to have a, like a full beard. And, you know, I kind of look like I should be on Sons of Anarchy. So I I start off with, no, I don't watch porn. You, you know, um, I know it looks like I produce it and that gets a big laugh. Yeah. And then I'm followed up with, uh, you know, I can't watch porn. It's not for religious reasons. It's just that 20 seconds in, my glasses fog up. <laughs> that gets a big laugh. And you have a good delivery. Yeah, you have such a, like a 
drink-based yeah. delivery about things. I mean, Kyle was kind of not high energy, but he's like, you know, mid, mid energy. I w- yeah. I wonder if maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe because all of you guys are very drastically different energies. Yeah. And Jeremiah who came, went on after me is like very, very uh, physical, physical, like Dane Cook. And, and Sandro's not. And then Candace went on after him and then Sandro, uh, so I'm not, you know, you'd, you'd really have to talk to Adam in terms of why he placed us in, in the lineup he did. But yeah. I don't think any one of us would complain about the spots we got. And you did know. you get, were you getting a lot of laughs? Were yeah, they... I mean, every joke was hitting, uh, you know, I and it really went as, you know, I love it when my jokes like take two seconds to go. Like I, do, I did the N-word joke right after the porn joke, which is when I auditioned for Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> yeah. I won't do the whole joke because it's a semi, you know, it's like a two minute joke, but yeah, basically well, the, they can wait for the special. Yeah. I mean, basically the punchline is uh, the producer asked me if I'm comfortable seeing the N word on camera. And I looked at him and said, and get paid. <laughs> and like, you could tell like a, it was great because the front, maybe the first two, three rows kind of chuckled and then the middle got it. And then by at the back of the room, like where Delia and, and, and like all the, all the boys were, it, it was a big laugh. So it was like a great wave. And then I, you know, went into my, uh, this new joke or semi new joke that I do about, uh, the, uh, starting lineups of, of the football teams, you know, when the little Brady bunch cubicle pops up and, you know, yeah, it's just funny. I, you know, like I'm, I do it based on the Steelers cause that's my favorite team. So, you know, Troy Polamalu, you know, he, he does it very eloquently and, you know, Troy Polamalu university of Southern California, and they get to the next couple guys and it's pretty normal. And then they get to the last two guys who are complete morons. And, you know, like the one guy just gives the city he's from, <laughs> It's like, it's like he didn't even go to school. He's just like, hey, uh, you know, Mike Mitchell, um, Los Angeles. Jesus, dude. And that got a big laugh. And then I, I finished my closure was a Michael Vick joke, uh, you know, about uh, I adopted a dog from Michael Vick's ranch. And that gets a little bit of mid chuckle from everyone. I'm like, my dog was 13 and three, lost his last three fights. That gets a pretty big laugh. And then I followed up with, I'm just kidding. My dog was 26 and oh, I don't adopt fucking losers. <laughs> that is a good one, dude. It's, you know, it, was a, it really was for me the perfect five minute set. You know, and it probably would be a set if I had an audition for a TV show. It would, I would do that set. Now, maybe they wouldn't let me do that set, but that's what I would showcase. Now, I've noticed, Earl, I don't think I've ever seen you with your phone out recording a set. Do you do that at all? Uh, well, I'm n- really never in a, a room where I want to hear the reaction of the audience. So, right, but you don't. I, I might mean, tomorrow you, night at the uh, comedy store. I mean, Friday right. night, J- one o'clock. just out of curiosity, like how, because I've seen you do some of the same jokes in different places and it's funny how we've been in places where i'm the only one laughing and then we'll be in places where everybody's laughing and it's the same joke yeah. sometimes maybe a, a little slight delivery difference or something but that's what i wondered if if you listen if you ever record yourself and listen to your own delivery and what you get a better reaction well, i know on. myself pretty uh, well and like last night um and this is one of the good things about being passed at the comedy store uh, you, get, you get to park your car there now. Well, I've always parked my car there. I mean, you know, 
it's you got to act like you're a pastor and that's good enough uh but like um you get fallout spots on tuesday and wednesdays which means if someone doesn't show up uh-huh you know you put your name on the list and and you, yeah, you get a, you go get a free spot basically so uh last night i i was set at the laugh factory which re- went really well and then I, I was in such a good mood. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go to the store, see if I can get a fallout. And, you know, of course, a couple of people didn't show up. Actually, like four people didn't show up. So there's like a whole hour they needed to fill. Um, so I, I got to go on after Jeff Richards. So, Which is a great friend of yours. And a great friend of mine. Did he happen to do his Earl Skakel impression when he brought you up? No, he does the music. Uh, he does these music songs right now. So right. He, uh which is tough to follow because it, it sets like a real high energy uh, environment to the room. And that's, he's ba- yeah, he's basically doing a music video on stage. Yeah. And that's really not my, st- you know, my style is exactly how I'm talking now and very Stephen Wright ish and, uh, you know, mixed in with a little maybe Robert Schimmel or whatever. And uh, were you nervous at all doing your set? Uh, not last night because it was a pretty loose environment in the room. I, it was kind of dead, but then people started to walk in once they saw me up. And uh, what, what about your showcase set? Were oh you- yeah, I had a full-on panic attack. Uh, I worked out about the showcase was at like ten o'clock. Went to the gym at seven just to get the like the excess nerves off. And what I shouldn't have—I don't know if this has anything to do with it—but I went to Trader Joe's real fast, got like a, a a pasta thing you can cook up in five minutes, and I just shoveled it in my mouth. And uh, 30 seconds after I, at the last bite, I just the worst anxiety hit me. And for 20 minutes, I was naked in my bathroom, hunched over the toilet, trying to throw up. And I couldn't. Wow. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't come out, but it was that feeling. And I was sweating, but drenched in yeah. sweat. Yeah. Drenched. I mean, I don't sweat even when I work out hard. And I was like... You would think someone poured a bucket of water. You think I did an ice bucket challenge? Wow! And uh, this was at about nine o'clock, and I was like, "Oh fuck, man!" I, I you know, dude. I'm. I mean, that's because I think of those, and I when I when I knew you were get because I was texting you quite a bit when I found out you were going to do that spot because I know me if I were in your position, I would have been like. I've been waiting to do this for 15 years. You know, what if I don't do well tonight? What if Adam gets fired next week? And I don't, you know, and then we get another guy that won't ever let me do a show. You know, it's just like, I'd be running all these things through my head and I would probably do the same thing you did and just completely just have, have a moment where I just, you know, just lost it all for a while. But I mean, I've never thrown, I haven't thrown up in 30 years. I mean, last time I threw up, I was like 11 years old. Uh, so, uh, I don't know if it was uh, like it was a cheese pasta. I don't know if it was just bad to eat cheese and, and with the nerves going on. And um, and then uh, so I, after about 20 minutes, it's I'm still feeling sick, but I was like, fuck, I got to take a shower and get going. So, uh, you know, it ended up, you know, I was like, well, I'll take a shower. And if I throw up in the shower, that's fine. And uh, so uh, were you cool when you got like once you got to the store? Once I got to the store, it was comfortable uh, and- still slightly uh, throw upy feeling, but I knew I wasn't going to throw up. And uh, you know, I, I still don't know what it was. I mean, I played in front of some huge crowds with Schneider, like two thousand people, and I didn't even come close to having a panic attack. Right? So. Yeah, but this is the comedy store. This is, I mean, oh yeah. Say what? Say what anybody wants to say, but 
getting your name on that wall that's oh, that's a, like the hall of fame it, it really kind is kind of i mean i mean you can say what you want about people that are on there they were all passed for whatever reason robert william abervaya might not be your cup of tea and he might not be a great comic by most people's standards but the guy's been doing it for so long and he and he is known for that green suit and those same kind of jokes it's one of those things it's like i talked to the guy and he tells me he was working the door before it was even the comedy store and he was doing his first sets there he was doing his set it's just he's like a staple and it's almost like an honorary thing now that's the guy for those of you who don't know who robert william at is he's literally been at the comedy store for 30 years yeah he, since uh, it was the funny farm he closed out uh sunday and monday nights at the store and like he's been around so long like sam kennison used to throw shit at him and then uh, me and Ryan O'Neill picked up the torch, and now we throw shit at him. Uh, but now it's the heat's on that we shouldn't throw stuff at him. So uh, every now and then I'll throw a menu at him. And uh, or a couple <laughs> years ago, Don Barris and I, Don used to have these laser pointers, and we would shine them right in his eyes. I mean, I don't know how his retinas didn't burn out. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I'm. Uh -oh. I'm I'll be happy my name's on the wall, but I really want the spots. I mean, you know. now, uh, now after your set, you, you told me that like they don't tell you that night. No, when, they don't. When did he? When did, when did he tell you? Actually, he didn't tell me the next day. Uh, but everyone, uh, I, I had a really good set, so I thought the chances were high. Right, but, but I'm sure, like you said, everybody had a great set. Yeah, yeah. So it's like maybe he's under orders to pass a girl and and you know uh, who you know or he was going to pass all of you or well, i knew I mean, that wasn't uh i didn't i didn't think there was any way on earth he was going to pass all five of us although uh all five of us could have been passed uh, -huh. uh I, I figured one to two people because you know spots are tight now yeah you, of course and that's without adding anybody so right you uh, have to have people not coming around or or doing other shit and a lot of people that perform their yeah let's it, face it that's the only place they perform in town They're well i think uh that that's one of the things i hope changes and now I, it's going to sound like i'm selfish because i'm wanting the spots for myself which i do but you know i, I think like if i were talent coordinator i would kind of start to eliminate the people who just use the comedy store as like a hangout you know, it's like, this is a business, man. You have to be, you don't have to be on TV, you know, to get spots here, but you know, you just can't perform here, man. Right. And it, and it's only hurting them because those are the kind of people that they're not going to get seen by anyone that's in a casting position if you're not going anywhere else. But they, yeah, but they, you know, it, casting people who I think are starting to come back to the store, see these people who just kind of like, you know, that was one of the gripes I had with Tommy was he would put up these people who just they didn't go up anywhere else. Yeah. It was just like uh, a social uh, like experience for them. And Getting like, out of the house and yeah. Yeah, do it's that. It's an ego booster for, for a lot of those guys just, you know, wanting to have 15 minutes where somebody's forced to listen to them talk. Yeah, but well, do that at Sal's Comedy Hall, not at uh, the comedy store. I mean, or, or do it at Marty's. Pay five bucks and... and go to the... Yeah, the Ha Ha or Go something. to the Ha Ha and, you know, go to... Well, Lovitz is, I think, gone, but... Uh, now they're relocating it here. Well, I don't even think Lovitz played Lovitz, so... Uh, but, you know, the comedy store is like the number one club in the world, or at least it should be. Yeah, it's, it is. It's yeah. not a... Uh, you know, you don't go to the 
Dodger Stadium to just beat around a few balls. Yeah, yeah. Fucking play putt-putt. Well, I mean, I take it serious. It's a business to me. So, I mean, if I was... Well, and it's also an art form, man. It's, it's, you know, doing what you guys do well is... It's it's not something everybody can do. Well, it's the hardest job in the world. So you knew, you knew afterward that you did a great set. But, you you know, Right. So when did, did they say, hey... You'll find out tomorrow. You'll find out. Someone a said, days, "I think you find out tomorrow." Uh, and then, because uh, I had done Montreal uh, auditions a few times, where I, uh, one year in particular, I had the best set at at the first set and the callback, and I didn't get it. So I was not gonna go. You yeah, know. you weren't gonna assume anything. But so, how did they tell you? So Brian Email? Moses uh-huh. uh, called uh, the next day, about Friday at night, noon or something, and said, uh, "Adam said you can call in for spots. Uh, congratulations, you're passed." Oh so, fuck yeah! And he said he was very nice and, and said it's long overdue. And then uh, that day, very, very fitting that the uh, host of the roast battle would tell the house racist that he's passed. Yeah, which might be the reason I was passed to. Uh, I a think certain degree. I think it should have been taken into consideration because that's that's a big part of the show. It's it's definitely an interesting part, and it's a it's just like the Negro wave. You know, there's certain things that are unlike that there's not in any other show, and it really does create what makes the that show what it is. But now we're the house hecklers. We're uh, not the house racist no longer. It's just you know the characters had reached their limit. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, Everybody's funny. getting politically correct. It sounds like I'll and, say it. Uh, but it's we had our first week where on roast battle where we were just the house hecklers and we were like those people on the Muppets. Oh the God, crazy! Yeah. Uh, not Bert and Ernie, but they uh, I don't know their names, but they're oh like, God, it was like Mystery Science Theater. Were like, you still allowed to do racist stuff? Or oh no, to- no, and it was great. It was awesome. Oh, Everyone got it. I know. So. I knew that that's something they weren't gonna let go very long, but it's still like. But it was our decision. We brought it to them. Everyone's kept us. Oh no, just keep doing the racist stuff. Right. Everyone loves it. And it's like, you know, right? No At some point, point, you're running out of like. Well, it'll never get on TV. Yeah, of so course. It's like, what's the point in doing it? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You and I actually had that conversation a few weeks ago. Where you're like, yeah, there. It might be to a point where you're just like, there's not a place for you in it anymore because you didn't really want to be known as that guy all the time. Well, and you're you sometimes run out of like, how many ways can you say the same? You know, I mean, it's like it's like being uh, if you're auditioning for the Pittsburgh Steelers as a running back, and they already have three great running backs. It's like you, know, you can do uh, you know amazing job in training camp, but you're probably not going to get on the team. It's like, yeah. You know, what's the point in doing it anyway? Yeah, of course. So that's how we felt with you know the the house racist characters. We just there's there's no other, and you know did did you getting past have anything to do with it? Like oh, like no. now you hold yourself to a little bit different. Oh, I've gotten a lot of good things from Roast Battle. I at the uh, Laugh Factory last night. I had a agent at one of the big three uh, agencies in town saying, "Hey, dude, I see you every week. Kill it at Roast Battle. I'm going to bring a manager out to see you." Right so, on. Uh, you know, um, so I've gotten a lot, and I think I. I was actually going to ask you, like, how much has changed since you were passed if not just your confidence level is that is that done anything for you oh yeah i mean like last night at the laugh factory i just i walked on that stage like i had the biggest dick in the room uh <laughs> well and i probably do but uh, but i mean it wasn't cocky there's a there's a difference between cockiness and like confidence but yeah. i was just like 
Now, Rob Schneider crowds at the Laugh Factory are unlike any crowds on earth. They're just, it's super hot. And what he does, I think, is really cool is he hosts the show. Really? So he That goes, is very cool. Well, he goes on stage, bites the bullet. Sets the tone. Does 15 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever it is. And he brought me up. And, you know, it's just the crowd gives you that instant respect of, wow, Rob Schneider just brought this guy up. Does he do multiple sets? Huh? Does he do multiple sets? Like, does he do bring you up? And yeah, then, he brings me up. Then but he, go back up again after? or Yeah. Oh, yeah. He hosts the whole okay. show. And a lot of A-level a comics would not do that. They would like, all right, Earl, you host, you bite the bullet, yeah. bring me up. Yeah, and, of you course. Know, you're owed that. Yeah, of course. I would have no problem doing that. But uh, so, but I was very confident last night. And it's like, you know, you take someone like Matt Edgar, I, I and this is why I had him on my podcast uh, right around when Tommy was let go. Yeah. I've never seen someone improve from the first time I saw him to now because he just got up a lot. And so that's what I want, you know. Just, yeah. You know, you have to be in front of a crowd and be on that stage. And I'm, you know, 15 years in. I'm fairly polished. I certainly have a long way to go. Were but. you had you given up on trying to do the comedy store? Um, before Tommy was fired. Oh, absolutely. Had, I was just like, given up. You know, I, I stopped going to. Uh, you know, I I really just stopped going to the Ding Dong show on Monday night so early because it was just like why why I can't be up here for four or five hours and see everyone get up but me. Yeah, yeah. Um, even yeah, the Ding Dongers even have a place to perform and you don't. Yeah, which is fine, but I mean they're not really doing stand up per se. Well, that's what I'm. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and then I, uh, you know, I stopped calling in for development spots because uh it's like what's the point he does like adam watches the development spots or if he's not able to for whatever reason because they're every night he can't yeah. watch them all he will have someone go in the room sit down watch and report back to him okay um, good I, that's good to know for other comics yeah that are listening so uh you know adam watches potluck tommy never did that tommy. yeah i was actually thinking that i was like i wonder i wonder if adam's doing any of that because I always wondered that when Tommy was around, I was like, what is he watching? What is he not? Because he was ne he was always in the booth. And when there were development spots in the belly room or the main room, he was not in those. He was just not in those rooms ever. He, he was just coasting toward the end, which is fine. Uh, you know, he still has supporters, which is mind blowing to me. But, uh, you know, that that's, you know. Like Don Barris said, I don't have to worry about him anymore. And I know Right, right. He's not he's not a part of your world if if you don't want him to be. Yeah, and he and he never will be. And I don't think he'll ever work in the comedy business again. Because if he was, he would have been swooped up. Like if Adam left the comedy store tomorrow night, he'd have a job Monday at the improv, the laugh factory. Right. At the Ice House, at Hermosa, at uh, some talent agency would say, Hey, you know talent, you want to be our whatever um so yeah dude and we know at the comedy store that can happen we've we've literally watched the uh, a uh, brand new door guy security guard become the manager of the club within about a month span and he's good though i mean <laughs> yeah but i mean who else would, yeah where else does that happen you but know? i mean he's professional and, and Ter terrence is an awesome dude and like uh, you know, that's the kind of employee I would want. Like he started at like not a low level job, but you know, security. Right. He he came in there. He wasn't, you know, he didn't. Uh, he wasn't known. He wasn't a comic or anything. He came in there as security guard and just, you know. But I mean, that's what 
I mean, I think that the changing of the tide at the comedy store, you know, started when like Eric came in to manage. Yeah, and definitely. Then, you know, Richie, and I mean, they just got new management, and you know, it wasn't like younger guys who wanted to have fun. And I mean, you know, Eric and Terrence and Richie and and uh, Adam are like, you know, it, Adam came from the Tempe Improv. Yeah. So, which was at the time the number one, I think, club in the country. So, was it really? I think, but you know, there might be arguments for another. Like the comedy works in Denver is awesome too. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. I mean, that, that was the first road gig I had with Schneider, and you know, that like that lady who owns, she owns both. There's two of them in, in Denver. Like nothing goes on without her knowing. You know. Yeah. Uh, there's not one comic who gets on that stage who she doesn't know or. You know, like I'm sure she said, who's this guy, Earl Skakel? Oh, Rob Schneider's bringing him up. You yeah. know, there's nothing. She reminded me, did, even, even did, though I never met Mitzi, of like what She was Mitzi that connected was. person, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she started out as a waitress at the club. She now owns both. And like, it's like, you can ask any comic, uh, and you know a lot, who's ever played comedy works. They'll be like, that's a great club. Uh, yeah, and everybody mentions her on podcasts they love her i want to say I, I forget her name it's it's a guy's name like barry or mel but uh or something like that um and like she even you know after the weekend when i was there with rob she's like what do you think about our club like she was like looking to improve how it. can i improve it yeah. this guy probably is sees it all you know because you know rob goes in does a set leaves yeah i want to know what this guy thinks and and that's what eric adam richie and, and terrence like you know, I think they value people's opinions, whereas, you know, the past administration was just all over the map. Well, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, yeah, it was de definitely one guy running the asylum at that point. But uh, has, what did Rob Schneider say when you were passed? Does he, did he know or does he know? Or he's too that, busy to appreciate it. Uh, to but, know what it is to, to well, you. Well, he's or, so beyond. Right, uh, right. But like, that's, you know, it's like he's been successful for, damn near close right to, to him it's just, you know to him it's playing a club and but he said congratulations and hugged me i mean uh but you know uh even he's back at the comedy store which, make sure they spell your name right when they put your name on the wall because it's yeah. very, very possible that skakel will be le at the end yeah i mean i'm sure they'll uh do it right. i think dean del rey told me like that he went up there when they were painting his name on the wall he like double checked uh said like let me know what what time that guy's gonna come up i want to watch him paint it on the wall and when he got there the guy was painting it and like misspelled his name wrong oh well that's why dean's dean i mean that's he does stuff like that most other people are, ah fuck it i'll just you know and then it would have been misspelled forever so <laughs> yeah i actually think my name will be on a good part of the wall though it'll be out you in get front a pick right there's not that many names i mean there's just you know, like the last 15 people who've been passed. And then, so yeah. So when it. there's a police shootout, that'll be the first. Yeah. The bullet will go right through my name. Yeah. There you go. Well, it could be worse. The you great Kennedy Kennedy legacy will live on with the, you could have it on the bar cover, you know, which there's names on the bar cover, but then they take it down the TV, you know, the thing that covers, yeah. the t you know, that's the worst spot. Because you know, no one ever sees your name until after two in the morning. <laughs> they ought to have your name right above the belly room. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. Unofficial tour guide, Earl Skagel passed. Oh, those young comics up there now are much worse than me. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of spots, you know, liver spots <laughs> up at the comedy store. So, you know. So what's up next? Like, what do you... Uh... 
Well, now you what's your to, immediate goal now? I mean, now the comedy store is kind of conquered. Uh, now you know, just get as many spots as I can, and and. Are you thinking of doing a special, a CD, anything that? I mean, I have a CD on iTunes right now that's pretty bad because the recording. Was right, I was gonna say it, it's, it's funny jokes because you're ma- like you make the Beavis and Butthead reference and everything, which was funny. But like, yeah, it's just like the recording's kind of difficult for people to hear. Do you the have recording it? was awful because I had a Zoom recorder, but I had I didn't know what I was doing, so I had it. I thought any- I had it facing the crowd. But I was, it was facing me. So you kind of hear my voice, and then you hear, like, muffled laughter when it was actually good laughter. But the crowd wasn't mic'd. I just wanted to get something on iTunes. Yeah. So, But, you know, I think anyone who bought the CD, uh, and don't buy it anymore because uh, I didn't re-sign with TuneCore. So I literally don't know where the money goes. Someone bought it last week. They were like, hey, I bought it. It was really funny. I'm like, well, I didn't get any fucking money out of it. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I might try and ask Ari Shafir. You know, I know he sells his for like five bucks or something on yeah. his own website. I might try and do that because TuneCore was a complete ripoff. So, you know, I, I would suggest not going through them. Their, their accounting methods were more stranger than Tommy's. <laughs> Did you treat yourself to those Kiss shirts for pa- getting past the comedy store? Or, uh... No, I bought those long before I got past. So uh, there's this store. There's this guy in Bulgaria who makes bootleg Kiss T-shirts. Uh, like he had a lick it up uh, Kiss shirt that you can't get anywhere except if it's a real one on eBay for like five hundred dollars. So this guy's twenty bucks and it's a great looking shirt. And then I doubled the order with a was it misspelled or anything no it's it great like? looks I, I mean i'm sure gene and paul want this guy's number because uh <laughs> you know shut him down but i'm assuming that this guy's based in bulgaria so gene will probably gene probably has a guy on the boots on the ground on bulgaria looking for this guy <laughs> jesus christ so uh but you know just trying really the reason every time i actually got a good spot at the comedy store just through sheer luck or you know tommy wasn't there and and barris put me up you know i got work out of it yeah you know and and i got recommendations like one night yeah don's always been really good about bringing you on stage or uh trying to give you a spot on uh yeah on potluck nights and stuff even when when you weren't on the list so quincy weekly actually uh, very funny comic at the store. He always threw me huge bones by having me co-host potluck with him. Yeah, and uh, like well, I people, got yeah, that's the thing. Everybody there knew you were fucking funny, except for the one guy that has. But he knew he it. say it right. That's the thing. It's not like I went up there in front of him and bombed. Every, right, right. Every time I went up in front of Tommy, I'm not going to say I killed because that would be lying. But I did well to very well. Um, so he just, uh, like another classic Tommy story of his hatred towards me. And for those of you listening, like this is going to sound cocky for me to say, but I think Jordan will vouch for me. And if you don't feel like it, don't, don't vouch for me, but I might be the most well-liked guy in LA comedy. Yeah. Not my comedy, but yeah. But as a person, there's nobody that can say that they don't like you. Even like, uh, I'm trying to think, uh. Even someone like, say, Melissa Villasenor, who, you know, we, uh, you know, kind of awkwardly bump into each other at the comedy store. So I, we're not friends uh, or it, we're not even acquaintances. She couldn't even say a bad word about me. Right. I would say, do you know each other or is uh, it or was I, it just one of those things like you don't? I think because I'm so much older than her. It's always been, I don't know, some weird. She's shy. I'm shy. I'm actually right. shy, if you yeah. could believe that. 
like we worked on a pilot once and uh, we barely spoke to each other because we were just you know we're just you're introverted people we're actually the same person uh yeah so uh but i mean even someone like her couldn't you know if you asked her about me she'd be like "Eh, it's okay i guess yeah yeah that's the worst thing that can be so uh tommy's literally the only person who ever had a problem with me in la comedy in 15 years yeah um just another just bizarre story about him is one time i had a showcase for uh what ended up becoming live at Gotham, but I think at the time it was premium blend uh, on Comedy Central, and it was like 2007, maybe 2008. Uh, but is that with that Byron Allen's? No, no, that's or? Comics Unleashed. Okay. Uh, so I, did, you know, did the showcase with about five, six store guys at the Improv, and uh, I'm just saying that night I had the best set. I mean, it was just a zone, uh, and I won't say who, but a Comedy Store employee was there. He goes back to the comedy who? store. I can't say who, but, uh, and he doesn't even work there anymore. But, you know, he told us. Who doesn't work there anymore? He told this to me in confidence. So I'll respect that. But he said, uh, he goes back up to the store. Tommy said, How, How'd our guys do? He's like, They did good, but Earl had the best set by far. And he just looked at uh, the guy and said, Nah. <laughs> just like, like no yeah. way. Couldn't like, so be. What does that mean? Yeah. You just had a guy there at the showcase. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not saying I should have been passed just from that showcase, but. Uh, right. Why ask the guy if you're just going to negate yeah. his opinion because it wasn't a name that you wanted to hear? So, right. okay. uh, you know, there's many other stories. Yeah, that I would rub tell. me the wrong way. I, I mean, I can, I feel you on that. Well, that's why I gave up there when he was there because it was just like, what's, uh, you know, what's the point? Like, right. you know, I'm trying to like please and not guy. that you have animosity or anything but even now that you're past you're still like i don't want to see the guy i don't oh wanna, no like he, like he does you know he hosts charlie's house with laura and and i which is an know, open mic right uh, book show whatever you want to call but it but it's and and you know what dude i went i went the first night they did it and then i went this past week and they moved the performing area to outside it, it really is a fucking really awesome setup um but as much as you love Laura, like you're, just, I do love Laura. Yeah, you're just not willing to, you're not willing to to go there while he's there. And I, oh, I no. get you, I get you. So that's well, I never respected his advice. I mean, right, he, you know, and this is going to sound like I'm shit talking, uh, but once again, I, I challenge anyone to come up to me, tweet me, Facebook me, uh, and prove that I'm wrong. But you know, he he didn't know anything about comedy. He's a guy who. And this is just factual. This isn't like I'm, you know, right? You're not talking shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I think you know in L.A. comedy, talking shit is telling the truth. So I guess to that degree, I'm talking shit. But he was a dude who came from Jacksonville, where he ran male review shows and booked shitty '80s bands that I liked. Uh, <laughs> he comes out here. Which is why you guys got along personally. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, we actually bonded over Sons of Anarchy, and like, we once had an hour conversation about David Lee Roth solo albums. So we we got. A, I mean, th- this is why it'll always blow me away. Why I never was passed, or we didn't get along on some level. Because uh, we had very similar interests. I'm not that much younger than he is, to be honest. If with anything, you. your comedy should have appealed to him specifically. Yeah. Of everybody in the room. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, I didn't, I never respected his opinion because, you know, it's like 
asking me how to throw a baseball. I don't know how to fucking do it. So I certainly wouldn't tell yeah. a young uh, pitcher, hey, this is how you should do it. And that's exactly him telling me how to do comedy was insane. But you had to deal with him because he was the guy. Right. So, uh, you know, now he's, you know, like I said, if he, and, you know, the, you know, my saving grace or the justice of, you know, my opinion on him is, like I said, if he was so. Situation now. If, yeah, he's booking an open mic because no place will hire him. And, uh, you know, he, he, you know, I, I've heard through the grapevine, uh, you know, uh, people telling fibs about clubs offering him work and, you know, it's like, God damn, these people in LA comedy are so fucking stupid. Do you think anybody could say that they were offered work? But well, you know, do you think if this guy was offered a job at a comedy club that he'd be booking a fucking open mic down the street from the comedy store? (laughs) I mean, wake up. Yeah. And that's not, you know, you know, I, the people who, aren't familiar with LA comedy, you, me, they're going to, this guy's got an ax to grind against this guy, but I still maintain. This is the first time you've actually been able to say this kind of stuff. You know, as far as him being gone and you being in the position that you like, now it's justified. Now, you know that everything you've been thinking for 15 years, as soon as there was a new guy and he saw it and, and you, you know, so the new guy saw that you were talented past you. So everything that you've been thinking is now justified. It's been, you know, come to fruition. I mean, that's proven. the word I was looking for. Actually, my, my feelings are justified because, you know, like I said, if uh, I'm trying to think of another person who, uh, Jeff Richards, Jeff wasn't getting any spots. Jason Galern. Right. Uh, right. You know, Danish and O'Neill two of the funniest dudes, maybe the two funniest dudes up there. Uh, they were just like Holtzman, you know, yeah. Holtzman. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I think I said on Red Band's podcast the week after this happened, uh, which is about three months ago. You know, everyone like looked at me after people were saying their bits and pieces, like, "Well, Earl, what do you think?" I mean, I said, if I could sum up Tommy in one sentence, it's he drove away more talent than he put up. Yeah, and that's you're, that I've heard on many podcasts. I mean, I I can think of God, Tiffany Haddish, Burt Kreischer, those kind of people all have the same story. They're like, I I came to get spots. The guy was rude to me, or the guy flat out told me show up to the open mic and put your name on the list. You know, like people who were on TV, people who have things going on. Like, but, I mean, insulted them. But I'll Pretty say much. this. I mean, you, you, as a, ta- and it's going to happen with Adam too. You, you, I understand that as a talent coordinator of any club in any city, but especially LA, especially Hollywood, you have to have a self defense mechanism. There's mm-hmm. just too many people coming at you. Yeah. So I get his need, Tommy's need, Adam's need, Duncan's need before Tommy to be somewhat standoffish. And, but, you know, Tommy's problem was he bullshitted everybody. Yeah. Hey Earl, I like what you're doing late night. Show tomorrow at nine thirty. He came to me. I show up at nine thirty the next night. Didn't get on till two fifteen. Whereas Adam will say to someone, "Hey, I think you're really funny. 
but you know there's a lot of people ahead of you yeah uh if you want to show up around 1 1 30 i'll try and get you on toward the end but no promises can i ask you what you think of uh this isn't a judgment or anything either but um i've noticed since adam's taken over a, there's a lot more guest spots of bigger bigger comedians which invariably takes away spots from other comics you know i saw like last night posted with zach galifianakis and you know we've had bob saget dave Chappelle, david spade people that never yeah people that weren't performing at this club ever now they're doing a lot of pop-in spots what what do you think of that i mean i think it's great it's because it's drawing more people or it's getting a diverse more diverse comics or what what is it I mean, it's just better comics, man. I mean, how could you, like, uh, and, and, you know, like, tomorrow night, I, I have a spot at 1 o'clock. It's my first spot. Uh, there's always the danger. Dave Chappelle comes in. Bob Saget. Chris Rock. Chris yeah. Rock, whoever. And, and you know what? I'm okay with that because mm-hmm. that's, they've paid, my, they've paid their dues more right. than I paid mine. So it's just the well, rules of the game. I don't game. know about that. <laughs> Fifteen well, years, man. Well, Bob Saget's been doing it for thirty. Yeah. So if if I'm about to go on and Bob Saget comes in, am I going to be disappointed I didn't get up? Absolutely. But if you're losing your spot to Bob Saget, I can live with that. Yeah. And um, you know, I I think there's, you know, new energy into that place and not even getting those type of names but get getting someone like a ryan stout who's a fucking great yeah. comic you know he's starting to come around um i mean uh like i don't i don't think i've seen tom segura up there but i mean you know i'm sure he'll come around uh i think red band's got him in there on you know on red band shows but dude joe rogan's back yeah rogan's back joey I mean, diaz is back these uh, those neither both of those guys were just not willing to come back while tommy was there you know? Well, I mean, Red Band's got that great uh, the, the audio recording when Red Band did. I think Potluck and and yeah. I think Red Band uh, for forgot to you, turn off his phone. Yeah, Red Band had was recording this set on Potluck, and uh, I, I, he went to the cover booth. I think to get Tommy's advice, which is complete insanity. Uh, it's like going to OJ for cutlery advice. <laughs> uh, Glove fittings. Yeah, glove fitting service uh, tips. And uh, Tommy's uh, like, well, you still there with that faggot Rogan? Is he, are you, and he said some like really awful yeah, things. Yeah, I heard it was, ba- he basically said like, oh, I thought you were okay, but now I got to wonder about you if you're hanging out with Rogan all the time. Yeah. And still over like, there. So you're saying that about one of the biggest comics in the world. Yeah. And it, now Who's that- one fucking hell of a nice guy. Oh yeah, I mean I don't really know him that well, uh, but you know he seems nice and. Uh, but I mean that's you know and this is right. With uh, yeah, I mean fear I had factors. a conversation with him in the back in the kitchen bar the other day, just in passing. Like we started talking about Dick Gregory, like, and 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 then like Adam walks by and goes, "Oh, I, I I'm actually trying to get him and Paul Mooney on a show together here." Like, I don't know what you know. I, I think I might have something to work, and we're like, that would be a great fucking show. Yeah. Two of the best black comics, probably of all time. That definitely wouldn't happen under Tommy. Yeah. Right. Wink, wink. <laughs> what do you mean? And Candace Thompson, a black woman. Anyway, yeah. uh, I wouldn't have been on the showcase, nor would she have been. So, yeah. You know, it's just a new era. Yeah. And I think now people might think I'm. Well, being... he did pass, you know, in all fairness to him, he did pass uh, um, who Moses and uh didn't he pass um uh Jamar neighbors Jamar and, uh, both 
Well, well that's like uh, at that like right point, at the end. I mean, at that point, that was like fucking putting a gum on the hole in the Titanic. I mean, you know, but you know, but he still has you know supporters. Like, oh, he he turned the club around. But you know, when he started be coming the town coordinator, and this is gonna sound like I'm like really an axe to grind against him, but he he took over at the worst, probably the worst era in in, in the store because it was just. All the '80s relic comics were holding on, and right. and you know, the, 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 he took on. You know, it couldn't have, and that's a tough thing to kick those guys out. It couldn't have gotten any worse, and so it had to have gotten better. And you know, I think the false assumption is that he made Delia and Whitney. You know, they were going to be big no matter what. He did not make their careers, right? And that's just the truth. Delia was already blowing up at the factory and the improv and Whitney, same thing. So, and you know, he's, he didn't give Whitney spots uh, before she got so big. So I don't want to hear that either. You LA Palmers. <laughs> so, and challenge anyone challenge me to something I've said that you think is wrong because there's a difference between being a, a shit talker and the truth. This might be the most animated inappropriate Earl we've ever had. Well, because you're always asking the questions. So you're always very diplomatic. And this is like, I don't think I've ever like seen you this, you know, this is, this is the real Earl coming out. Like, but I still maintain, I'm not saying, right. But you've never, you're not the kind of guy that says anything like you don't bring up bitching and complaining at the store. You're just, you're just like, you're just a very like, in and to yourself you talk to everybody but you're not one of those guys that's gonna like gossip or bring up anything and i think a lot of people just like would love to know what the fuck goes on through your head and 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 the way you were seeing the comedy scene because i agree you, everything you said i i don't i can't disagree with any of it well i mean i might be uh you know and that's from somebody who's who me is in a u- unique position because I have, you know, there's not too many people that hate me up at the store, but I'm not, and I'm not trying to be a comic. So I'm not trying to get in there. I'm not trying to get a spot. I'm not trying to weasel about, but a lot of comics hate people that are hanging out at the store that aren't trying to be a comic too. Well, I actually think they like it because you're not threatening to them. You know, like I'm sure there's haters out there. Why did did Earl get passed? Uh, You know, why didn't I get a showcase? Well, you know. Have you heard anything through the grapevine of anybody bitching about it? No. Or? I mean, I think... I say, I can't imagine many people thinking you didn't earn it at this point. I mean, I, you know, uh, I'm sure there's one or two, but it, uh, they're probably pretty quiet about it because I think the majority of uh, people are, can't really say, well, Candace Earl shouldn't have been passed. So, uh, you know, but I'm sure there are, I mean... Will that help? Does being a comedy store past regular, does that help you at all? As far as just what you, what you're, what you want to do is that was that is that one that you can check off the list? Is like that was a big one. Well, I mean, now I can invite. Or would you've just been like, if you never got on there, you just you well know, at mean, this point you were past the the high of wanting to be part of that thing. Well, no, I mean now I can invite because I have a fair amount of industry friends who would say, "Hey, tell us when you got a good show, it will come out." And uh, you know, uh, like I have a friend at uh, one of the big three agencies uh, who was at the showcase because uh, I invited him because I knew uh, the the cards would be set for me. Uh, I, I before getting past there, I, I don't really have a I didn't really have a place to invite someone who could help me. To, 
I can't invite someone to Dave's Bar and Grill in Glendale. Yeah, right, right. At that point, people are going like, wait, you have me come into a bar yeah. to... I can't invite a CA agent to the I- Ireland's uh, 32 in Burbank or the Liquid Zoo. Yeah, and you and and the, any other good spot you get is going to be an Ice House Friday night spot, and it's like, yeah, you're good luck getting an agent to go on on a yeah. Friday night for work. You know? But like you know, last night you know I just it got nothing to do with the comedy store, but I had a you know uh, eight fifteen spot at the Laugh Factory, so I invited some industry types there, and they showed up, and the, you know I you know had one of the better sets I've had in the last three or four years. So that's what I want to use the comedy. Good for store you, for. man. Good for you. Well, I mean, now it's the ball. Now my foot's in the door. Now I got to keep it there. Yeah. I mean, there's a you've lot. You've got of, the podcast going. You've got. Yeah. Trying to, uh, you know, get this uh, to a certain level. And then, uh, you know, uh, now it's on me to have good sets. And uh, yeah, because and I've heard Tony Hinchcliffe say this, and he's absolutely right. <laughs> Once you're past at the comedy store, you're a real comic. You're a professional comic, like that. That's almost like the. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the that's the doorway of where you're no longer an open micer. You're no longer like there's a, there's a prestige to putting in the time and and the people at the comedy store passing you. I mean, I would agree to a point with what he's saying, uh, but I mean, I certainly uh, consider myself a real comic five years ago. And I, I would put myself up, and I'm not a very cocky guy at all. Yeah, I mean, there's a million comics funnier than me, and with better material and, and stage presence and all that. Yeah, but stuff. they don't have a bigger dick, do they, Earl? Nope, and probably not as much money. Unless <laughs> Wait, okay, mean. Earl, this is what. But I mean, I, I'll put, I'll, let me just finish that. I will put myself up against anyone Tommy passed, and yeah. feel very comfortable going on after them. So, uh, you know, I, I I agree with what Tony's saying. I mean. And there's definitely a, uh, I could tell like people look at me differently now because, oh my God, he's passed. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, because I think to some people who don't really get it, uh, it's 100% true what Tony is saying. Like, I, I'm as funny of a comic, you know, you know, two weeks ago as I am today. Yeah. So getting past it, it did not make me a better comic. Yeah. Um, but it, there's certainly a, prestige to a degree uh it's not what it used to mean but when you're in my position of having nothing uh in terms of like uh, outside of rob schneider gigs yeah like it, it's it's good enough like yeah. you know montreal is not what it used to mean but i'd still like to do it of course you know but i mean a lot of people get montreal thinking uh Oh my god, the development deals are just going to come my way, and you know I know a lot. And a of lot of people, it does. Well, <laughs> not people, really a lot anymore. of people have great had great sets, and not really much else other than that. Really, you know, it's what you make of it. Yeah, you know, it's like I'm going to make something of getting past at the comedy store. I'm not going to just sit there and do the same ten minutes over and over and over again. Right, dude. That's my number one complaint with the comedy store was that. I used to love going every night and then it got to a point where I, I would go and I would see who was on the lineup and I go, I, I know every one of their sets all the way through. Like all of them. I could I could pretty much recite what set they were gonna do that night. And and that was two years going. Well, I mean, uh I'm using it as uh like I said probably I think about twenty minutes ago. Every time I got a good spot there for sheer randomness of, you know, Tommy not being there or whatever. 
I've gotten work out of that place. Like Owen Smith one time saw me late night. I forgot the reason I was up, but uh, he said, hey, let me recommend you this show, man. You're a funny dude. And like maybe someone like Steve Renazizi, who I've known for 10 years, and yeah. he's never seen me go up once. Of course not, uh, yeah. Maybe, you know, hopefully one day he sees me go up and go, oh, I can recommend him for something. Yeah, yeah. You know, but whereas right now, if there was a part on the league, and I know it just got, uh, well, it got picked up, and then it's the last yeah, it's season. Little, but, yeah. You, you know, if there was down the road. A, a he, did he put David Taylor on there? But I mean, he's seen David Taylor grow for five years. Like, right. I don't. Right. Think- That's what I mean. He, you know, it's very, just like you're saying. Like now he knows you're funny. He can think of you for parts or whatever. But or he'll see me at least go up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I saw you post. Okay, the other day Adam posted a picture from the front patio of the comedy store, and this is what I love about you, Earl. It was a he posted a picture of a guy that looked like you, except add probably sixty or eighty pounds of of uh, fat Earl, to him. Earl Fakel. Yeah, yeah. So he posts the picture, and the first thing you say is, "Did you mean to pass him?" Yeah. And I start laughing about that because I mean it, it's so Earl. And then twenty minutes later, it says, "A dude surrounded by five guys and no pussy. That ain't me, brother." <laughs> Or you say that definitely Maybe ain't is, me, man. brother. <laughs> and I just lost. It. I'm like, that's the kind of comedy out of you that nobody else at the store has that like that kind of wit. And it's when you come do it at the ding dong show and you're heckling. Like, I would have passed you just on your heckling. Like you're 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 really fucking funny when it comes to good timing on that kind of shit. What's well, like Kenny Lyon last night? And Kenny Lyon's a young, younger comic who's completely out of his mind, but he's a good dude. And most of them at the comedy store are. Like I went on late night, you know, uh, after Richards, and you know, Kenny like heckled me, and like I, I you know, I got the room going. It actually helped get me get the room going because I, I put him down pretty hard. <laughs> what did you say? I I forget what he said, but I'm like Kenny. I don't go heckle you at fucking Marty's. <laughs> Which Marty's? The uh, parking lot of the pizza place. I mean, for those of you who don't know, Marty's is uh, some shithole that a lot of comics play, and they have to pay five dollars to play in front of no audience. <laughs> and it's been going on for like seven years. And this guy Marty's a fucking genius. Because I told him, I did it once because my ex-girlfriend was hosting. And I, I still had to pay $5 with my ex-girlfriend hosting. And uh, I saw him at Kukuru like three days later. I'm like, dude, I, thank you for the stage time. But that, that idea is never going to work. No comics are going to keep paying $5 to play in front of nobody but other comics who aren't listening. Yeah. And seven years later, it's going strong. So <laughs> You're really, yeah, dude, you're really good at... Uh... Uh, comebacks because i remember maybe the f- the first time i ever saw you was uh you were doing there was a fallout spot in, in the friends and family part of the open mic and you get up there and i'm like oh this is awesome i'm gonna get to see earl do comedy for the first time you you take the stage i think you did one joke and and josh martin walks through and goes shut up you faggot <laughs> and the thing right without missing a beat you say Oh, great. Getting heckled after 15 years of being in comedy by a guy that can't pronounce his S's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the comedy store for you. <laughs> Jesus. So the, uh, on Monday, I got to go up, you know, because that's one of the, the perks of uh, being a paid regular is, you you know, you basically get priority over, uh, um, you know, comics who aren't passed. The homeless people in the back. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the people who are waiting to go on late night, if, if you're a paid regular and you want to go on, you could... You, get to go on so I, I went on and uh you know i'm doing pretty good and then boone heckles me 
And yeah. Boon Shakalaka is like this homeless transvestite. Who's like a le- that he's was like really a, fucking funny, though, man. He's like a legend. And I forget uh, what you said, but I remember what he said. It was yeah. But I mean, that's like the comedy store. Like at the improv, Boone would have been kicked out 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but that goes back to what Tony's saying. I mean, you know, if you're passed up at the store, you've proven that you can handle any condition. Oh, everybody says it, man. I mean, every everybody that's that does that room says, dude, Joey Diaz told me that. He said there was something missing. Cause like he right before he came back a week before, I was like, Joey, you know that Tommy's gone. Like, why don't you consider coming back, man? Like, we would like I would love to see you perform on that stage. And he said, No, it's not gonna happen. He goes, At some point you grow past things and you realize that like in order to move on, you have to grow, you have to, you have to leave one thing for a new door to open. And then a week later when he decided to do it and he was like really good, he, we were talking out in the parking lot. He said something was missing. He goes, I'm doing spots at the ha ha just cause they're close to my house. I'm doing these other spots. And he goes, I'm getting people that don't get it or they're just soft, la- like soft crowds where I can make them laugh. He goes, I need to get in front of these fucking animals these people and that that make me uncomfortable, make me think on my feet, make me get that edge back. And within like a week, he's like, yeah, this is this is what I needed. And that's what he told Rogan. He's like, that's why you need to come back because you don't know what you're missing out on until you get back on that stage and go, oh, shit, this is what it was really supposed to be like. Oh, yeah. The store's the best, man. And so. Rogan said the same thing. He's like, yeah, just being on that fucking or stage that main room stage it was like like he just loves it there again what's the octagon man oh big time big so, time so i'm yeah i'm definitely happy i'm there now. well congratulations dude man i i'm probably as happy as you are that you got passed oh yeah man i mean most people would shit on a one o'clock spot tomorrow and, oh man i won't go up you know, listen, I told Adam I'm thankful for the spot so i, I can also pretty much bet you're not a guy that will ever uh call in a spot and say oh you know i'm not gonna make it in 20 minutes just uh fuck, fuck it. that i'm gonna take every i'm tired spot. I, I feel like hanging out of my house you're not that guy i'm gonna take every spot i get man. that's right man and be happy with it and i'm sure you're uh i'm sure your loyal uh inappropriate earlites will oh yeah i mean now be excited I... now i mean jesus this is like now I have a place to, uh, you know, say for them I mean, to come see you. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of LA listeners uh, who are like, uh, "Hey, man, we want to come check you out." I'm like, I can't invite you guys. Hey, I, if I'm not going to invite an agent to a show, I, I don't want to invite like an actual fan to see me eat it at like fucking right. You know, Van- and well, you've made a huge new fan base with these big three guys, the people that have come. Yeah, that come on these excursions, you know, once a year. To celebrate the big three, they got like, I'd say 50 to 75 people flying in from out of town that are fucking obsessed with the big three and they've all become fans of yours. And it's like when they come to town, they want to do one thing. They want as soon as the comedy store opens, they want to hang out and they want to experience what everybody talks about the comedy store and they're getting fucked over because then you're not performing there. And it's like they don't know where the fuck marty's is or sal's comedy hole they don't even have a car here most of them are cabin it or walking it's like you now are in the position of like they could all these people that love you can see you on the stage yeah i mean i'm sure even tomorrow night there'll, there'll be a few people extra in there uh, at 1 a.m to uh you know come check it out and uh 
you know, now I uh, can say, hey, man, you know. It should be easier to save money on Backpage now, too. I don't do Backpage, man. You know, I got 15 (laughs) bucks coming every week now. Got to save up a long time to pay for those. They're all cunts, man. (laughs) And on that note. These fucking girls out here, you have a house, they want a fucking mansion. You got a condo, they want a house. You give them the finger, they want the fist. You give them the fist, (laughs) they want the leg. You got a TV deal, they want a movie deal. You got a holding deal, they want a development deal. You're a producer, they want you to have points. You have points, they want you to own the studio. These twats out here are never, (laughs) ever, ever satisfied with what you give them. And if you don't believe Earl, just ask me, because he's fucking right. But you know what? At the end of the day, uh, I think as many people have realized... Uh, you think the grass is greener on the other side of Earl, but usually it ends up being shit brown. Boom. So suck it. Suck on that. You might find a guy with more money than me, but he won't have a bigger dick. You might find a guy with a bigger dick and more money, but he won't fucking have my personality. You might find a guy with a bigger dick, more money, and a nicer car, but he won't be as nice as me. You know, I'm the real package. And any limousine girl, riding. It's true. I'm flying. Like, Alligator shoes. Any girl who's ever dated me, tell me where I'm wrong. I'm the perfect package. I'm not perfect, but I'm, the, per- I'm the perfect package. You won't find a better combo in LA comedy than a guy who's funny, a big dick, money, a paid off condo, a paid off car, a dog, one, a dog everyone loves. Not some fucking dirty mutt. And, you know, good luck finding all six of those things with these ham and eggers. You might find a guy who's got more TV credits. Uh, You might find a guy who's like a bad boy. He'll fuck you for a month. And then once the allure your new pussy wears off, you'll be going, gee, maybe you're all wasn't so bad after all. Yeah. And when you ask your guy, do the mangina for me, do Buffalo Bill, and he won't do it. Fuck you. Hey, or, hey, Johnny, why don't you take me to dinner? Oh, I don't have two pennies to rub together. Well, there you go. <laughs> and on that note, this yeah. has been Inappropriate Earl. <laughs> Where can they find you, Jordan? Jordan the Lion on Twitter, Instagram, Jordan Lee on Facebook. And I am uh, Inappropriate Earl. You could find me on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's just at Earl Skakel, E A R L. S-K-A-K-E-L and uh, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes. Got some guests coming up. Got uh, Jamie St. James, the saint, the singer from Black and Blue. We're going to break it down. They were on uh, Simmons Records uh, back in the day. We're going to see how uh, shitty of a music mogul Gene Simmons was. And uh, Earl, I think we should make December 4th National Earl Day. Is it December 4th? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, December 10th, December 11th is uh, my first paid regular spot for those of you in L.A. tonight. This will be uh, released, uh, you know, when I say tonight, it's, uh, you know, will be today, I guess, uh, 24 Friday. hours from now. Uh, you know, Earl will be on the OR stage in the Comedy Store at uh, 1 a.m. right before Don Barris, which is actually, you know, you think 1 a.m., my God, who wants to go see comedy at that late? But uh, at the comedy store, anyway, that's when the show gets really going. So um, I usually of- don't even leave my house till midnight anymore. Well, I mean, I'm sure there'll be to a lot come of- to the store. I mean, know. no, but I mean, that's that's how much of a late night 
rendezvous that is for oh, people source. that know. Definitely late night. I mean, uh, but you know, there's some great comics in the beginning too. You know, and and in the Power Hour, you'll see the Dalias, the Brian Callens, and uh, you know the, those tie. You know, the TV comics, and then the late night, you get the uh, comics who hopefully one day will be on TV or whatever. Not that TV's the end all be all of, of what a good comic is, but uh, you know it's exciting to be able to see uh, comics. You can say I saw them at one in the morning in front of eight people. Now I see them on Letterman or whatever. So uh, that is it. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes. It helps. You know, the more reviews, more you know, we're trying to get featured on iTunes. I mean, that's the goal on this podcast, just to get more listeners, so I can get better guests. And, uh, you know, such, uh, such is life in the podcasting world. It's all about the illusion. So, and I leave the bad reviews up too, although there aren't too many. I do. Uh, one guy said I should leave the podcasting to the big boys. Um, it's probably a, uh, Eddie Trunk, uh, nut swinger. So, you know, it's like, I love Eddie Trunk. Eddie Trunk is a very famous DJ in New York. He has his own uh, serious radio show. And he keeps the torch of 80s metal alive. He's also the host of that metal show on VH1. Uh, a lot of people uh, think of us as competition. And one, he probably doesn't even know who I am. But I have no beef with Eddie Trunk. I mean, he is really the only voice outside of me uh, who talks about bands from the 80s. So I got no uh, uh, you know, grudge against Eddie. But, you know, Eddie, you're not the only one who can interview guys from the 80s, you know. Uh, so I'm just trying to, you know, make a dent in your market uh, space. Fuck that. You're trying to get people to buy the 80s records so those guys will have a living. Well, I don't get any money if someone buys the rat CDs. So right. you want to make uh, daddy money, just uh, someone sponsor Inappropriate Earl or, you know, other than Stephen Pierce, he's at Mike Knuckles. So uh, this has been a great episode of uh, Inappropriate Earl. I'm not going to edit anything out. I don't. Uh, it's awards and all. You it's can't. Like, well, I can't actually. So, uh, but like, it's like Cinderella's live album at the Key Club. They didn't touch it up once because uh, you know, which I it's one of my favorite live albums. Even though I, I don't think people would, you know, put it up there with like Frampton Comes Alive or Kiss Alive. But if you think Kiss Alive was a live album, uh, you know, Rock Hudson is more alive than Kiss Alive. So, uh, Kiss Alive had more go. Seriously, Kiss Alive had more fucking ghost musicians on it than a fucking haunted house. So, and Kiss Alive 2 was even worse than Kiss Alive. I mean, that was like eight fucking concerts cut together in the studio with piped in fucking crowd noise. So, uh, but I still love Kiss. I, Paul Stanley went on Joe Rogan's podcast, but I guarantee, and I love Rogan and he could kill me. And under Dude, uh, speaking Thank God for Rogan, man. I'm walking through the comedy store the other day. I look up and there's Joe Perry walking by from fucking Aerosmith. Yeah, I mean, Rogan's the real deal. Yeah, he was but, there to see. He was there because Rogan, he just been on Rogan's podcast the other day. It's like, that was awesome. And see I love Joe Rogan. Perry. Oh, I mean, I'm a big UFC guy, so I'm actually more a fan of Rogan's. Uh, you know, and that's why I want to talk to him at the store, but I know he probably is sick of people bugging him about the UFC, but like, you know, that's like the fan in me wants to talk to him about Alistair Overeem and all that shit. But I'm very I, approachable guy. Yeah, but I'm sure he, he doesn't want to talk UFC when he's at a comedy club. So, uh, but he, Paul Stanley just did his podcast. Yeah, it was a uh, pretty good one. 
Well, I love Joe, and this is not an insult toward him, but I guarantee you I think I would do a better interview with Paul Stanley because I would talk to him about shit that nobody talks to him Right, about. you're more of a diehard as opposed to a casual. Yeah, well, I think Joe's a Kiss fan. He uh, is, he loves him, but I don't think he... He couldn't go toe-to-toe with uh, Vinnie Vincent stories. And, or I Mark mean, St. John. Yeah, right. The, I mean, the real, like, you know the... The real history, the history. History. Of it all. I have a PhD in history. I mean, <laughs> I could break down Mark St. John's discography. Uh, probably one of my proudest memorabilia uh, artifacts upstairs is my friend Brent Fitz, who uh, drums for uh, Slash, which is great because he is a guy I used to see in Eagle Rock on Sunday nights playing a shitty covers band in front of four people. And he's a great drummer. And That's it was, awesome. It was killing me to see this guy from Canada come here just like we came. Well, I mean, I'm from here, but you came here from the Midwest to make, and now he's playing in arenas and, and, and stadiums with Slash. And it's just, uh, you know, Brent's a great dude. Um, but, you know. I could break down. Hey, Brent got me uh, a Mark St. John autograph while Mark St. John was alive. And uh, I have. As, as opposed to uh, an autograph while he was laying in the coffin. Well, and He's dead now. Another guy Gene and Paul killed. So, <laughs> And on that note. Yeah, check out Mark St. John. Go get his album. He's dead, so I don't know who gets the publishing. but uh, Probably Gene yeah. and Paul. No, no. Go check, buy his album, White Tiger. He was in the band White Tiger after Kiss. You know, Gene and Paul's bullshit machine said he couldn't play anymore because he had writer's syndrome, which is an arthritic condition. And, gee, a year later, he's playing in a band touring. So I, I, I really I think the problem was Mark St. John was too flashy of a player. You know, he was like from Randy Rhodes type of, you know, guitar playing. And, uh, you know, Gene and Paul were like, he couldn't play the same note twice. Well, Gene, you were off in the fucking Miami Vice set doing Prodigal Son episode seven of season two. So you didn't know what the fuck he yeah. was doing. And, uh, you know, you're making your movie with Rucker Hauer, uh, Wanted Dead or Alive. But actually, that was in 87. So Mark was long Mark was long gone back then. And by the way, just a quick review. Jordan, do you have two minutes for me to go into Sons of Anarchy? Of course. Uh, Sons of Anarchy ended uh, uh, two days ago. Uh, the final ride, uh, you know, it was a so-so uh, finale. I mean, yeah, basically everyone fucking died. I mean, and I'll say this, Charming is the shittiest police force ever because the last 15 minutes, Jax is killing everyone in the fucking city, and I didn't see one cop chasing him toward the end. Uh, but uh, Kurt Sutter got me back by having uh, Michael Chick. They're probably chasing all the black people in the neighborhood. Well, there are no black people in Charming. Uh, well, there we go. So uh, got them all. You know, uh, and one of the the main bad uh, guy uh, uh, works out at my gym, so it's weird to see him. Like I'm such a fan of the show. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, shouldn't you be in Charming running Booger Sugar? Uh, Who Emilio or no no uh, well I don't want to you know he's the main black uh, Billy Brown he's oh okay the, the guy in the uh, suit really good looking black dude right of, right right uh, who's in a lot he's he's one of the probably uh, top uh, working actors right now he was in uh, Kevin J not Kevin James Kevin Bacon show the following okay uh, he was in uh, Dexter. He always has a great death. He got uh, you know killed in Dexter, killed in Sons of Anarchy, killed in the following. 
But it was an average uh, finale. I mean, it was okay. But, the, you know, Michael Chiklis, uh, the end scene. Uh, and, you know, I'm assuming anyone who's a super fan of the show has already seen the, the finale. Uh, if not, Earl's going to spoil it. So just spoiler quit, alert. Quit bitching and crying. Spoiler and turn alert. It off now. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and by, by the way, before I get to the spoiler alert, this will give you time to turn it off. Uh, you know, for you people who think you can do a better fucking job uh, doing a podcast and give me advice on how to do this one, I tell you what you do. You uh, go to Amazon, you buy all the fucking gear, the mixing board, the mics, the fucking headphones, the Zoom recorders, all the speakers, all the wires, all the fucking batteries. You figure out where to put all the buttons, where I'll put all the fucking cables. You figure out how to record a fucking podcast, how to edit it, then how to put it on SoundCloud, which goes to iTunes. And when you do it better than I do, then you can fucking tell me how to do my podcast. They Back probably to, all have their own podcast at this point. Yeah, I mean, Back to Sons of Anarchy. Uh, Michael Chiklis uh, is driving the truck, and Jax uh, commits suicide by driving right into the truck. And I thought that was a great, you know, it was a little homage to The Shield by bringing in Vic Mackey to take out Jax Teller. And, uh, you know, they was, you know, that's what I loved about Sons of Anarchy. They always used a couple guys from The Shield. And it was great to see Walter Goggins has Venus Van Dam, the transgendered prostitute that uh tig kim coates has uh fallen in love with so um, a lot of butt fucking in those last two episodes of sons of anarchy <laughs> i mean there were some anal scenes there's this one scene where juice is getting fucked by these chinese gang members in prison but it had nothing to do with anything it, it was a totally unnecessary scene just but getting their friend a. uh a day rate. <laughs> but I mean, it had nothing. It was a total like add on. Like you, you didn't really need that scene. And yeah, that's right. They were it. just trying to help one of their buddies get a scene yeah. in their last. Yeah. It's like, obviously, Kurt Sutter was friends with these two Asian character actors who just needed the scene. He's like, all right, you want on the show? This rate is it. these guys. <laughs> you get the fuck, uh, you know, juice and the ass. So good uh, acting by Marilyn Manson as the white supremacist. Although I was disappointed they didn't bring back uh, uh, Mitch Pelegi, who uh, many of you may know as Horace Pinker from Shocker. And uh, he's also in Dallas. Uh, he was a great uh, white supremacist on Sons, Darby. And uh, they didn't bring back uh, Adam Arkin either. He was good uh, as the white supremacist in season two. And they also cut Peter Weller off in the last episode. They gave him like half of a line before Jax kills him. So, I mean, it's fucking RoboCop. Give him a couple lines. For God's <laughs> no respect, those sons of bitches. Peter, no, Peter Weller, he directed a lot of episodes. So, you know, he literally, Jax walks into the uh, bakery that Peter Weller owns and he looks up and goes, hey, Jackie, Bo and then he gets killed. He like, So it's not how I would have done it, but that's why... Kurt Sutter's living in a mansion and I'm, you know, doing episode 48 of Inappropriate Earl. <laughs> and, so, and fighting with people that are yeah, <laughs> bitching fired. about your fucking podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't tell, uh, you know, Joe Rogan how to announce a UFC podcast or broadcast because I don't know how to do it. I've never done it before. Well, so... Like, like Joey says on his podcast, he goes, all you people that want to bitch about how quiet the podcast recorded, it's a free fucking service. Shut the fuck up and turn it off. If you don't like the way it is, it's fucking free. Yeah. Shut up. I mean, I, I am looking right now at a mixing board, two digital recorders, three sets of headphones, three microphones, hundreds of dollars of cables and, and, and various audio gear. Doohickeys, knobs, and switches. 
And I haven't made a fucking dollar on this podcast. I do it for, I literally, you know, Paul Stanley says, I, we kiss is in it for the fans. Bullshit. He's in it for the fans' money. Uh, I'm not even getting my fans' money yet. So, and I don't want it right now, but, you know, help spread the word or something. Tweet about it. I've got this. And by the way, I want to cover this too, um, because there is a new Twitter account called Twit Earl, and it's a super fan. He's out of control, favoring and retweeting. Uh, I'm pretty every... sure I have an idea of who it might be. I don't know who it is, but it's not me. Because, you know, I know a lot of fucking con artists in the L.A. scene. You know, they say, hey, go check out my buddy Jimmy Jackson's comedy show at the Chuckle Hut. And it's actually Jimmy Jackson. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. No, I... no, I think I know who it is. And I'm pretty sure. I mean, I know it's not Earl, but I'm pretty sh I'm 99 percent sure I know who it is. Well, I once and um, it is just somebody who's a huge fan but of that's you. That's great. And he doesn't and he doesn't want to be on Twitter or Facebook or anything himself anymore, so he's just doing it in homage to you. But those are the fans you want. I yeah. mean, like that's the great thing about the Ding Dong show and the big 3 uh p podcast fans and I think I, this guy won't mind me saying his name but Prince Vince uh who's an amazing fan of of both of those projects. I was having trouble with uh it's so one of the episodes of Inappropriate Earl I uh, erased over, and he's like, well, you could probably get it back, and he took me through all these steps, and uh, so it, it's great to have fans who uh, can help when you know you need it. And uh, yeah. So all I ask in return for me spending literally thousands of dollars to do this is just spread the word, because um, the bigger the show gets, the better the guests are, because I definitely run up against... And if you, you know, know Paul Stanley, tell Paul Stanley to quit hiding from Earl and do the podcast. Yeah, I mean, Paul will break down Vinnie Vincent, Mark St. John. We'll talk about Punky Meadows auditioning for Kiss, Robin Crosby, Richie Sambora. You know, I'm not going to ask you what dealing with Gene's like or what Ace and Peter. You know, you've been asked that question yeah, a million times. Nobody time. cares because they've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on it. No one, I, I guarantee you, no one's had the balls to ask Paul Stanley about Vinnie Vincent's craziness or Mark St. John and actually have in-depth follow-ups to, to hit you with and it's not a sandbag interview i just trying to you know i mean you know get you out there in the podcast land like you need my help after going on rogan's but you know you never know <laughs> some of these Stephen Piercy was great he didn't need to do the fucking podcast right. but he loved it and exposed him to younger fans of mine who might not know who rat is so made a couple bucks so it's kind of long-winded ending but uh you know, Jordan, once again, you're welcome here anytime. You're actually a great guest and interviewer. Thank you, man. I appreciate and, that. And, uh, you know, follow Jordan's acting exploits. And uh, what was that thing we did on YouTube? Uh, uh, Dad's Home. What? Yeah. yeah. How, and do they just YouTube Dad's Home? Yeah, it's on there somewhere. It's real it's funny. Not, yeah, uh, it's it's all right. It's just, yeah, it is. It's well, like, for no uh, money and budget. I mean, it, it's you know uh, yeah it, yeah it was it was a fun project to, it was my uh me trying to do something not knowing really what to what i was doing but just feeling it out and it is what it is it was funny you guys were you like you were you were funny in the ways that i like you guys but yeah it's like you know it's like the first couple episodes of this podcast tebow yeah. don barris mary jane you know, yeah, and uh, that uh, fucking if girl. If you like who, them, you'll like them. Yeah. That girl who was as green as a leprechaun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that girl had the acting chops of Lorenzo Lamas. So, but you know, it, it's uh, so look up Daddy's Home on YouTube, pump up the views on that. Yeah. You know, uh, I've got some pretty funny videos on YouTube. Uh, 
you know, not just my stand-up, but just various acting things. I did a Doritos commercial and bench warmers and all that shit. So uh, subscribe to me on YouTube, too, because, you know, I didn't know this, but thanks to my friend Whitney, if you get 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, you can use their YouTube space, which is all full editing bays, full green screen. Oh, wow. Screen. Plus, I think you get paid. Yeah, there's definitely, but I don't, I mean, uh, like, it's like getting spots at the comedy store for me. I don't care about the money. I just, right. I, but, you know, to, to be able to access YouTube's camera, high def cameras and digital equipment. Oh, me. yeah. You can take some really great digital headshots yeah. of those. So, oh, yeah. I want to do a, a parody of Homeland while I have the beard and uh, whatnot. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll have another episode of Inappropriate Earl next week. Uh, and uh, I don't know who the guest is yet. It's hard to get these guys down here. So that's why you got to get us featured on iTunes with the reviews and all that shit. Cause the bigger this is the, the more uh, easier the sales pitch it is to get them to come to me. And, uh, that is it. Inappropriate Earl SoundCloud, iTunes, Jordan Lee at Jordan Lee on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, daddy's home. Uh, and if you're in LA, uh, and you hear this in time, comedy store tomorrow night, daddy's paid regular debut, 1 a.m. and then you get to see Don Barris right after because I get to bring him up. So Double that feature. is all. Alistair Overeem fighting Saturday night in Phoenix. Let's see what roids he took to get back on the winning track. <laughs>